0: Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit TimbleBibleChurch.org. Good morning, friends. Good morning, everyone, joining us on live stream. It's so good to be back together. I feel like some people are still on spring break today. Uh, <laughs> our room, our, our numbers are down a little bit here, but we are excited. For what God has been teaching us um, this week, what he has taught us during our discussion time. I was just so blessed by my discussion. I hope you were as well. Um, I'm not going to give you any announcements today, although I have many, so leaders, I'm going to be sending you an email to send out to, to really highlight some, some announcements, and I'm keeping those short because we have a special guest with us today. Um, you know that our, our March project, we've been raising money for Discipleship Unlimited, and we are going to continue to do that for the next two weeks. But we have invited, um, Linda has graciously invited her friend, Chaplain Laurie Tuttle, um, who works um, with the Marlin unit, uh, but according to Linda, is involved <clears throat> with prisons all over the system, um, ministering to officers, ministering to especially to the women in white. And so we are just so, so thankful to have her. So I'm going to invite Laurie Chaplain Tuttle up on the stage, and I'm going to let her tell us a little bit about what it's been like in prison during these last few months of a pandemic. So the stage is yours.
1: Uh, Well, blessings to all of us. This has been an exciting year. Discipleship Unlimited has been a wonderful connection since I started uh, serving as a prison uh, chaplain. Discipleship Unlimited literally has helped disciple me on how to be a good chaplain So I've been blessed by knowing Linda. Wanted to share with you that miracles abound. Miracles abound. This year, of course, it's been challenging in the prison. We went on lockdown about exactly a year ago, two weeks ago. And I serve at one prison, and we have 500 women. And then there's a sister unit that has 1,300 women. And during this time, I had both units when we went on initial lockdown which was a bit overwhelming for me but God's faithfulness was evident he gave me the strength and also the right people at the right time to help support me and the ministry at the prison wanted to share one scripture or a couple of scriptures from you there is to be sure a certain wisdom which we express among the spiritually mature it is not a wisdom of this age however nor are the rulers of this age, who are men headed for destruction. No, what we utter is God's wisdom, a mysterious, hidden wisdom. And I wanted to say that during the time that we had the, um, the snow um, both Hobby and N1, which is my primary mi- prison, were without electricity and water. And you can only imagine having 400 women without water and without electricity. It did have a generator so there was limited light. But it was beautiful how both the officers and the inmates and the leadership worked together. We were not uh, them and us. We were united against the problems that the world was was forcing on us during that period of time. And we have one gentleman, he is our maintenance man, his name is Mr. Lopez, and on Monday morning when we woke and we didn't have any water in the prison, it was severely cold, Mr. Lopez, our maintenance man, stepped outside and looked onto the property in zero weather or maybe at max 10, and he said, Lord, show me water. He said, you showed water to Moses, Lord, show me water. Well, blessedly, we had this tank on our unit back in the back of the property that had not been used in quite some time and years, probably. And so he, the Holy Spirit led him to go to that tank and turn on the faucet, which he promptly did. Nothing happened, of course. So he came back inside, and he was uh, in the prison, was going about doing some work, and Holy Spirit reminded him again, go turn on that valve. Obedient man obedient man instead of saying, uh, well, there was no water in there. He took back outside, put on his coat, turned on the valve, and water came flooding out. And at that time we had these big huge round vats that we began to put underneath the water and we turned it on. and during six days without water, we kept the unit unit filled with water. We could flush our toilets, we had drinking water, it was drinkable. Uh, miracle you know humans would say that there's no way and man's law says that how do you explain that and i know y'all studied in mark today about the miracle the feeding of the five thousand, how god provided for the lack exactly what god did for N one it was our marlin miracle is what i like to call it and also i love the fact the deep humility of our maintenance man this was not the chaplain that came up with this, and it was not the warden that came up with this solution. It was someone who humbly served the women day in and day out, and his reputation is well known. So there is never a simple job, there's never an un, um, there's not a job that is not, that God doesn't find purposeful. And in, when we are willing to be humble and to present ourselves to the answer, God's got one for us. So carry on, ladies. Be encouraged. God is
0: with us, and we are moving
1: forward in the mystery of God.
0: Thank you. Stay up here with me for a minute. I'm just so, um, just so thankful that you have been with us today, and I'm just thankful because, you know, no one has been able to go into the prisons this year. And so God has used um, people like Chaplain Tuttle as well as so many people that he is working in among the, the inmates uh, to do the work of ministry in the prison, and so we just want to we, we just want to glorify God with you and thank you. Um, we want to serve um, the officers and um, many of the many of those who have served so well over this last year with the money that we're raising for Discipleship Unlimited. So um, thank you for being here. Let's pray for Chaplain Tuttle together. God, we just we hear this testimony and we give you praise and we give you glory. We are just in awe of you, Father, and the way that you are at work among us and around us and through us and in us, God. And I just thank you for our faithful friend who has served you so well over this last year. Um, We just thank you for the energy that you have given her, that you have given her what she needed when she needed it to serve mightily. And, God, would you continue to give her energy and courage and wisdom and discernment and patience and strength for the task before her, and God, would you help us to support her in prayer and in any other way that we can. God, we we just thank you for what you're doing in Marlin and in Gatesville and all around in the prisons of Texas. We, we give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. All right, guys, I'm going to invite Linda Strom up. She is ready to speak to us this morning, and Linda, I'm just going to turn it over to you. Are you prepared to use this guy?
2: Well, we'll find out, won't we? Okay. <laughs> I did. I. This is all new to me. We don't do this in prison, but sure is fun if it works. Um, we're going to talk about discipleship today, and I would like to acknowledge Beth Buell too, and that Beth is a volunteer chaplain and works alongside of Chaplain Tuttle, and. Chaplain Tuttle has just opened the door for Discipleship Unlimited. She is, uh, as you can tell just by listening to her, she is a powerhouse believer. I mean, God has just given her a gift of faith. And she also is um, creative. Can you tell? I mean, she, she painted the place. Who gets to go in and paint the prison? I mean, only Chaplain Tuttle. So um, we do so appreciate your prayers. And we do see miracles in prison, like water that mysteriously comes when others don't have water. And um, I had a lot of water at my house, but we won't talk about that today. (laughs) You know, um, I never knew what a joy it would be to have a grandchild until I was 50 years old and my grandson Jake was born. Now, he's going to be 29 and I'm going to be 79. Um, And he still brings me such joy. But when I first laid my eyes on him, I felt this love like I'd never felt before. I mean, it was like a double overflow of the kind of love that I felt towards my children. Um, I can't explain it, but tears just started streaming down my face when they put him in my arms. And I hoped that I would live long enough that he would know that I was his grandma and how much I, I really loved him. So when he was little, he spent a lot of time with us. He was only five minutes from the house. And so I taught him scripture. And one of the scriptures that he learned was, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, my husband was real um, fun. I guess that's the best way to say it. I mean, he, he emphasized everything. Like, he taught Jake, Old Man River. I mean, he would just, and anything Papa did, he did. So Papa helped him with the scripture, and so he would go, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1.29. And so I, I thought that was just great. So I said, Let's go out for pizzas to celebrate. So the guy who waited on us, Dave, knew uh, our family, and he's. I said, Dave, would you like to hear Jake's scripture? And so... Dave said, of course. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Dave looked at him and smiled and he said, that's really great, Jake. And who is a Lamb of God? Well, he looked at him so puzzled, and he said, well, my grandma. <laughs> so the first slide is, who do you say that I am? And a lot of times we get that a little confused I remember when uh, Carla Faye Tucker, there's Carla books back there. Some of you maybe haven't heard of Carla's story, but I was privileged to be the spiritual advisor for Carla Faye Tucker, who was the first woman executed in Texas in over 100 years. And Carla had a deep and radiant faith. She'd come to Christ in the Harris County Jail and was a believer as long as she was in prison. She was radically converted, told the truth about everything, her life was in God's hands, and she was um, she was about to be executed. And p- different uh, programs, like 60 Minutes and Larry King, everybody wanted to interview her because it was a big deal that somebody who had repented, and no one questioned her faith, not Leslie Stahl, not Larry King, they saw her radiant faith. And one of the things Carla made very clear to me is if God gets more glory through my going home than through my staying, that's what we want, right? Well, I wasn't so sure, but she was. So at the end of the Larry King interview, he said to her, finally, Carla, you remain up. And she said, yes. And he said, that can't just be God. She said, yes. He said, Can you explain that to me just a little bit more? That really touched me, that someone has that kind of relationship that someone else is saying. Can you explain that to me just a little bit more? And her answer was, when you've done something like I've done, and you've been forgiven, and you know that you're loved, that has a way of so changing your life that it's not a secret There's no way to keep it inside. I know where I'm going. I know what Jesus did for me. And when I leave here, I'm going to go and be with him. So when you ask that question of Carla, who do you say that I am? She would say, you're my savior, my rescuer, my deliverer. And uh, if you have a red letter Bible that you've been using as you're going through the book of Mark, One of the things that means is it's the words of Jesus, but one of the things that might be interesting for you is to count how many times Jesus asks questions instead of giving answers. Um, When he asked, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the, the Son of the living God, Messiah, Waymaker. We sing all these things, but it's so important that we really are walking them out. And so we're going to t- uh, talk about what it is to be a follower of Christ and what discipleship is. Yes, Jesus said, You're right, Peter, I am a king, but I'm a very different king. I'm a king who must suffer and go to the cross. So Jesus used that word must. It wasn't like Jesus was um, a victim. I used to think, and we talked about this in our small group, I used to think uh, when I watched movies like King of Kings, I don't know if anybody else in this room is as old as I am, but when I went to school, uh, we would see the movie King of Kings. They showed it every year at Easter. And I didn't really have an understanding of it was for me that he died. I thought someone else, I thought the people put him there, but I didn't realize He must die. He wasn't a victim. He was a sacrificial lamb. He laid down his life for his friend. Out of love for you and I, uh, he was that king. And he was a king who must suffer and go to a cross. He was a substitute. And he has an upside-down kingdom. He's a king, and we have decided to belong to the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, what things? Well, instead of going to be served, we come as a servant. When we started Discipleship Unlimited, we started with Campus Crusade. And one of the things Bill Bright said was, there's nothing I will ask a staff member to do that I don't do myself. And I think as a follower of Christ, we have to remember that we're all servants. It's an upside down. The greatest among you must be the servant of all. And Jesus was certainly the greatest among us. In your king, in God's kingdom, we lose our life to find it. There's no negotiations. It's not like we're going to come together and negotiate on this. It's about time I got this kind of benefit here. You know, as I look at the way God has provided um as we've moved out in faith, like the water at the prison. I mean, that is a miracle, really. And everything that we have need of, he knows. He knows our need. And if there's a time that we have a need that's not met, he will be there to be our comforter, our healer, the one that enables us to walk through with joy. Uh, what a great king. So we surrender to him, and we find our identity in him. Actually, we die to live, and we go to prison to have fun. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Peter didn't like the answers he got, um, and he rebuked Jesus. But Jesus pays him the compliment and rebukes him, because he realized that Peter didn't get it. And sometimes we don't get it either. But I was thinking of how we have to remember that we're not fighting flesh and blood but we're fighting principalities. And so when we get in that place where we feel like we don't understand why this is happening for us, then we, we can call out to Jesus and say, give me a knowledge of this. And I know that I'm loving this person with your love because right now I don't feel any of that at all. And I know that I'm not wrestling um, against flesh and blood here. I'm wrestling against principalities which want to pull me down. As we got closer to the execution, uh, there, other uh, parts of this interview that she had with Larry King became even more powerful to me. When she asked, Larry King asked her, are you fighting to live? Her response was, my life is not in the hands of the governor. It's, in the, it's not in the hands of the Texas Board of Pardons and Parole. My life is in God's hands. I know that when I leave here, I'm going to go and be with him. And as she talked that night before the execution, and it came on television stations around the world, this is this was an amazing thing, because Carla's story was told by Larry King for two nights. When I went to South Africa, people in the prisons knew about Carla Faye Tucker. They knew about her, the people who run the bed and breakfast in the Western Cape where I went. They knew about Carla Faye Tucker. What they knew about her was that she was somebody that had been changed, transformed. How does that happen? You saw pictures of her before. You saw pictures of her after. She wasn't the same, and after she received the lethal injection, she was quietly humming it as well with my soul. I remember telling that story at Palsmore Prison. I I had a warden that wanted me to speak to all his officers. The the officers worked very long, hard days, and they received low pay. They were from the Cape Flats. And so he said, I'll get all my officers together, and we got donuts and coffee for the officers. The warden was there, and I told the story, and I told the story of how the correctional officers or ministering to Carla the night of the execution it was a very emotional dramatic thing in fact we really did see a miracle happen that night and i'll talk about it in a minute but one of the things that we saw was that jesus life transforms a life uh, like carla but also that he gives you peace about where you're going so when they came out after administering the lethal injection they came to the TV cameras. The man that spoke for TDCJ, Texas Department of Criminal Justice, he said the whole time she was humming. And she'd asked forgiveness from her victim's family. And she said goodbye to her family. And then she said, I'm going to go and be face to face with Jesus now. I'll see you when you get here. And then she started humming it as well with my soul. And as I prayed at Paulsmore, with those officers sitting there in that room, all of a sudden from the back of the room came this, um, this voice. When peace like a river attendeth my soul. When sorrows like sea billows roar, roar. And all of a sudden, all these officers stood up. It was mainly women. And in this most beautiful harmony, with no instruments, we all were singing it as well with my soul. And it's like you want to go, am I dreaming this? Is this really happening? You know, when we're going to see God's glory, it's going to be in the time when there's no water in the prison. It's going to be in a time when you have the poor people working in the prison, longing for just some a touch from God to get them through the day. They, they're they not looking for... Um, for like a steak dinner at a Longhorn or Texas Roadhouse. They just want to get through today. And Jesus comes and he meets them there in this beautiful way. He is our king of glory. And we see, we move on because, I mean, wasn't this an amazing portion of scripture? I think, I'm just giving you like three little highlights from it. but I know we got so much from our group. We want to talk about the transfiguration and the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. And I want to play um, just a little clip where we did an interview with Carla and she talked about going to heaven, so we're going to play that clip right now.
3: You have uh, an execution date coming up. Yes. How do you prepare for that, emotionally, spiritually? Just physically. <laughs> press into God, because I, it, if I leave here, whenever I leave here, I'm just going home to be with the Lord. So for me, it's to stay focused on what he's got for today. God's doing a big, a big work in this, a lot of lives. are, I mean, even today, I sat here and watched people coming together from here and from here and from here. That's the universal body of Christ, coming together in love and unity through this. Wow! Would you rather stay in prison for the rest of your life or would you rather go see God? Well I think I would say like Paul, It would be easier to go home to be with the Lord than to stay in prison the rest of my life, but if that's where God wants me, that's where I'll, uh, I'm willing to do whatever he wants. Sometimes when you're going through rough things, it, it, you think about, yes, it would be easier to be in that place he talks about where there's no more pain and suffering and sorrow and disappointments. Um, but if God wants me here, then that's what I'll do too. There are people in third world countries who face death and destruction every day and you know they wanna be removed from that. But they're not removed right away sometimes. Have you ever thought about what you're gonna say to the Lord when you finally see him face to face your first words? Well you know that's, it's neat that you ask that because there was, when I got my first date, I told, some friends of mine, the ones who were there for me in 1983 when the Lord brought me into his kingdom. And I said, I'm ready to go home and be with the Lord because when I get there, I'm going to give him a great big hug and I'm going to walk with him and talk with him and I'm going to get to ask him all these questions and hold his hand. And Jonathan looked at me and he said, no, you're not, Carla. And I said, huh? He said, I said, yes, I am, Jonathan. I'm going to get home and I'm going to look Jesus in the face and I'm going to hug him and get to walk with him and talk with him and hold his hand and ask him questions. And he said, no, you're not, Colin. And I said, where are you coming from? (laughs) He said, when you get there and you take that first look on his face and his glory, he said, you're going to go flat on your face. He said, you're probably going to be on your face in awe for about two million years years and then you might be able to get up and walk with him and talk with him he, can say, he said and then again you might get up and look at his face and fall right flat back down on your face and it just God bumps went all over me and I thought wow we can't even begin to really comprehend what it's going to be like you know we may think we're going to ask him this or we'd like to say this to him or, or we're going to see Paul or somebody coming up, but we can't really imagine that when we leave here and we enter into our home and come face to face with that kind of glory, what do you think it's going to do to us? I I, I kind of agree with him. I think I'm going to fall flat on my face, just prostrate right before him and I don't know how long I'll be there, but probably 2 million years is about like that here. So I may still be there when you guys get there. <laughs> I Same may place. still Yeah, still on my face. You can just join me. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's the kind of freedom that we can have in Christ. We can just walk boldly into his presence and just receive from him the grace and mercy because he went to the cross, because he was a willing sacrifice for us. He looked at us and said, and he looked at Carla, for the love of that woman, I'm going to die. And so understanding that brings us to a closer revelation of what the glory of God is about. Uh, when you think of the Mount of Transfiguration and uh, Peter, James, and John, one of my favorite scriptures is um, out of John 1, And the word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory. Just think of that. John was writing that after the transfiguration. The word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you have a hard time with the glory of God, one of the things that helped me a lot was I lived in a lot of um, pain and confusion as a child with an alcoholic father and a lot of uh, physical abuse that went on in our home, but I had a grandmother that would take me out under the stars and she would say, the heavens declare the glory of God. If you want to see the glory of God, go out in the night sky, look up at those stars. The heavens declare the glory of God. And then. If you think about Psalm 103 that goes with that, as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how great God's love is for those who fear him. So you go out and you say, that's the glory of God, and all between me and that is love. God's love for me, as high as the heavens are above the earth. You don't know how high that is because nobody does. I mean, that's big. It's really big love that God has for you. And receive what he has for you. Receive his love. Stand in awe of his glory. I I taught that to Jake, too. And he loved that. We'd go out, and we'd get a blanket, and we'd lay out under the stars. So he went camping with his parents, and they were up uh, in Canada, and they got... He was in bed, but then they saw the northern lights. So they woke Jacob and said, come on, we want to take you down to see the northern lights. And they were all excited, tearing Jean running down there with him. And he looked up at it and he goes, dad, that's not the northern lights. That's the glory of God. And really, there's so much of the glory of God that we can see around us when the officers stood up at Paulsmore and they started singing, It is well with my soul. The night of the execution, as we were praying in the chapel and singing, the execution was supposed to take place at 6. It took place at 643. An amazing thing happened as we were singing. We were singing songs that they chose. One of them was, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. And when you sing that in harmony with black, white, Hispanic, glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. The truth is that we have eternal life in Jesus. The truth is that he died for us. The truth is that he is bursting forth in all of his radiance to reveal his love and himself to us. So all of a sudden, we saw lights go on at the cross. Well, there's no cross here, but there was a cross in that chapel, and there was a generator that was for emergency use only, and it came on at 643, as the officers and the inmates were gathered in the chapel worshiping. There's no explanation for it. The next morning, we went in to have communion, and uh, the warden had made a way for us to go to the other women that were left, because there were four of them living together, All four had come to know Jesus. There was life on death row. When the life of Jesus is there, you can't snuff Jesus out because it's a life like forever life. And we see his glory. Everything is possible for those who believe. And that's where we end this uh, little teaching on, on John, I mean John, on Mark, is... As we get to the end, we see the father who has the son, and he's so desperate for healing for the son. How many of us have somebody we're desperate for healing for? We have a young girl right now who's gotten back into heroin, and she called me last night from jail. And um, I was so glad she was in jail. It was a mercy of God, because she's dying out there. And I want her to get to Jesus But you know what? He said his life is in us. He said when we have the Holy Spirit, we need to be praying for people. We need to be praying for healing for people. Why don't we pray for healing when somebody's sick? Because we are afraid maybe they won't be healed. (laughs) Jesus didn't say that's a prerequisite. My daughter-in-law had a little lump on her um, wrist, which she's having taken care of today. But as I'm reading this, I thought, In the beginning days of my walk with Jesus, if somebody had a little uh, sore or something that she needed surgery on, I even would go into, I had a girl that would have mental breakdowns, and I would go in and I'd take every scripture I could think of, and I'd be praying up a storm for healing for her. And sometimes people are healed and sometimes they're not. that doesn't have anything to do with what we're called to do we're called to be as disciples i went to mannenberg township uh, when i was in south africa as well and i thought about this story because it reminds me i try to say this is how you've taught me in my life about who you are god so i go into mannenberg and there was a, a muslim girl that several years before when i'd come into the township was a really difficult place where everybody's family lived with them. They were very, very poor. There's a Baptist minister there named Eddie, and Eddie and I would go out. And any of the women in the area that needed ministry, he would save it up. So when I came, we'd do it together. And there was a a lady who had accepted Jesus into her heart. And I'd been there several times. So we would formed this friendship, and we were praying for her father. And then this year, this time when I went back, she goes, my father accepted Jesus, but he's dying. He has TB. He's in the bedroom. Would you go and pray for him? And so I said, I'd be glad to. She said, he's just devouring the word. He's so in love with Jesus. <clears throat> so I was kind of encouraged by that, because when I looked at him and I saw how sick he was, I thought, man, I probably won't make it back to America before he dies. You know, um, no great faith here. So I s- decided I would ask him, what would you like me to pray and ask Jesus to do for you? I was hoping he would say, well, I'd like to go and be with him right now. I thought, I have faith for that. <laughs> but he didn't say that. I said, what would you like Jesus to do for you? He said, I'd like to be healed. I thought, oh, no. <laughs> well, um, I, I said, God, help me to pray. I mean, I, I took it very seriously, but I didn't have faith. And I prayed, Jesus, just touch this man. He's brought so much joy to his daughter and his family. I know you have power to heal. And I do know that. Do you know that? Do you know that we have a healer? We have a deliverer. We have a waymaker. We sing all this. And it's like we're singing these songs, but do we really believe what we're singing? So the next year when I went back, I went back to Mannenberg and I was doing a Sunday night service. And we'd had some little irritations in the team that I was in, and I wasn't really feeling that much like giving a talk that night. And, um, I was sitting there kind of preparing my heart, and up comes this man in a suit. And he goes, do you remember me? I said, no. You don't remember me? You prayed for me when you were here last year. I'm so-and-so's father. And I went, oh my word, God did this. <laughs> this is too amazing. And as I was preparing for this, I got this song for my friend. And I'm going to let you listen to it, and if you want to sing at the end, there's a little refrain that you probably know, and then I want us to pray together that what we're learning in the book of Mark will be more than learning, but it will be action, that we'll walk it out, that we'll risk, that we'll be true followers who are in awe of Jesus, as he bursts forth and all of his deity in front of us, that we will have eyes to see him and that we will recognize that we have freedom because of the blood of Jesus. Just enjoy this uh, song and worship with me.
1: from the
0: far side of the chasm you held me in your sight. so you made a way across the great divide
1: Love
2: jesus for the blood thank you for new life thank you for leaving us with the holy spirit and giving us the work that you've called us to do and allowing us to see your miracles we want to see your glory lord give us eyes to see and hearts that love like you love and lord may your faith rise up within us Faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. Lord, awaken our hearts and our eyes and our minds to your word. Bring it forth within us and give us courage to be radical for you. We just ask this in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.